How are them transients looking? Transients looking pretty good? Looks good to me. MTG in the cards bringing you the best transients since night tw- uh, a couple weeks ago. Nine ter nope. twenty twelve. Nine ter twenty. It says nine or twenty tool. <laughs> Welcome to In the Cards. We're a ma- podcast not about gibberish, but about Magic the Gathering and all the things therein. Yep. <laughs> it's a wonderful game that we love to play. We love it so very, very much. We enjoy it. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so it's a romp. It's it's a wonderful romp. It's a mad it's, romp, and it's uh, it's always enjoyable, and it's never frustrating. True, in fact, many many a many a summer eve was spent. Twas twas many a winter eve spent. T- uh, uh, part. How, <laughs> <laughs> Many a winter eve oh, was spent divvying up, divvying up the, the cards, cards and laying lands into play. Sometimes we would shuffle and shuffle and shuffle. And it, it, Idly shuffling. Those were good, good time. Well, that was a pretty good attempt. That's about as good as it gets. Yeah, so uh, we're just coming off of the release weekend of Conspiracy, Conspiracy. Take the Crown. Yeah, I... Y- yeah. The crown was many crowns were taken. Oh yeah, they had crowns there. So you uh, played locally for this wonderful event. Yep, our LGS, as it were, local mm-hmm. game store. Pretty good times, huh? Yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, such a good set. I think it was really, really well designed. And even <laughs> uh, one of my friends who's been playing for a very long time was drafting it, and he's not a super huge fan of multiplayer. Mm. And <laughs> I think his words were. Wow, they managed to make multiplayer not awful. <laughs> Which is always good. Uh, what was it like to draft? Uh, the drafting process was... Um, uh, so I did the original Conspiracy, right? Mm-hmm. And this one, the drafting process was... Uh, it felt a little bit different. Um, as far as, like, individually, there were... I feel like the Conspiracies were not as good which might be by design. I think that some of the conspiracies in the original set were like, especially like the, the, the more common ones were um, too useful maybe just cause it's like, it's an effect that you add to a card that you don't have to actually spend any resources on for it. You know, so it was a little game bending or yeah. match bending or something. And speaking of game bending, we'll talk about my game bending deck yeah. that, I, that I drafted. Uh, it took a, f- yeah, I, I heard about that. Uh, yeah. So, you know, the conspiracies this time around were a little bit, I think, a little bit lower power level um, on purpose. Mm-hmm. Just because uh, that just makes it more fun. You know, like these conspiracies are, a lo- are nice effects to have and stuff like that. But it's all, it's more about the decks and stuff like that. Sure. Of, like the shenanigans you can do with all the cards. Yeah. But that being said, there were some pretty absurd shenanigans you could do in this set, which made it really fun to do. You know, it's, it's, it's way different. And like even the drafting process just having to think about things differently you know like you're not just always taking the best color or card in your colors or something or for your archetype hmm. it's like you have to be thinking about okay what other card effects do i have in this draft that i need to think about you know like there's the animus of predation which is the five mana four four that you draft and you can later draft um any card into exile while you're drafting so you don't uh you don't it, it gets removed from your pool that you can even play but that animus of predation then gains its keyword abilities like death touch and flying and stuff like that. And so as you're drafting, it's not always like, oh, I'll just take this because it's in my colors and it's playable maybe. It's like, okay, well, I could take this mediocre card that I could play or I could grab this card that's not even in my colors at all, but it has some good abilities for my animus predation, you know? Those so, were some... so play me maybe. <laughs> so play me maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, I just drafted you. <laughs> <laughs> and this is crazy. This sounds crazy. Uh, so, <laughs> speaking of Animus Predation, a friend of mine had an Animus Predation that I think had, like, flying, hexproof, uh, death touch, and nice. just some ridiculous abilities attached to it. And then he had three of them, so they all had those abilities. Mm, wow. Yeah. Um... That was one of the interesting things about it, I think, was that like there were those cards that you noted how many 
uh, cards you had drafted that round, and it did something based oh, on yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So one of my favorites was Pyretic Hunter, I think it was. It was the five-mana red creature that you know how many cards you've drafted that round when you draft it, and it enters the battlefield with that many plus one, plus one counters on it. Oh, yeah. And it has menace. Right, so... You know it, how many cards have been drafted before or after? You said including before. it. Including it, okay. Yeah, so when I had picked my first one, it had gone until 10th pick. <laughs> <laughs> now, this wasn't the first card that you got through that you were, you thought, are people reading this Yeah, card? yeah. There were a few situations. I don't think that everybody at the table was super competitive or even read a, a lot of the cards from the set before they oh, had drafted it. They kind of just threw themselves into it, which yeah. is fine. That's mm-hmm. totally cool. Right. Uh but there were a few moments, like with that Pyrotic Hunter, I was like, uh, why is this going 10th pick? Yeah. This is now a 10-10, and so I'm going to take it and play it as a 10-10. <laughs> you should have just let it go and see what happened. No, no. <laughs> it would have got to the end. It would have been the last one. Oh, here's my 5-mana like, 15-15. Oh, hang on a Casually. Minute. 15. Yeah. Oh, I get it. Or maybe they wouldn't even have played it. I don't know. Who knows what would have happened. But, uh... Yeah, I got that one. And then, so with those cards, it's it. you note that number, and then anyone you take after that will have either that number that you noted initially with the first one, or a higher one if you get a higher one with the next one you pick. Right, right. So, for instance, I took a Pyretic Hunter, sometime, something like third or fourth pick in the next pack, and it was also a 10-10. <laughs> so once I got that ridiculously high number on one of them, suddenly every single one of them after that was amazing, no matter mm-hmm. where it was in the pack. For yeah, me. that's crazy. Wow. And there were a few cards that did that. And, you know, there was also, like, with the conspiracies that you name a card for, that also encourages you to take uh, cards that you've drafted previously more highly, mm-hmm. because then you can you can use those conspiracies for more of the cards in your deck, you know? Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> there was a card called Spy Kit, right? It's an equipment that basically it, it equip creature gets plus one plus one and has all names of every non-legendary creature in the game, basically. And at first I looked at that and I was like, what the heck does this do? And then somebody pointed out to me, they were like, oh, that just means that you can trigger your any of your conspiracies on it oh, that you've named sure. cards for. And oh, I was okay. like, gotcha. oh, yeah. That's kind of cool. So you can yeah. name a creature with your conspiracies and then put the Spy Kit on them and then every single conspiracy you have that has a, car, a creature named for it, you yeah. can use on that one single creature. Luck favors the prepared. <laughs> right. Which is kind of insane, actually. So mm-hmm. basically, Spy Kit just lets you use your conspiracies on overload. So that's kind of neat. How many times did you see that come up? None. Spy Kit? None? Zero. Oh. <laughs> that's too bad. What other things did you see that were kind of cool? What was it like building your deck? Um, Building the deck was... I mean, I mean, it was pretty similar to most drafts that I've done before. Uh, you want to, you still want a good curve, so you don't sit right. there doing nothing for five turns or whatever. Right. You still want some smaller creatures to hold down the fort while you get get things going. And you yeah. know, you you still want to have like a direction for your deck, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, the first draft, the first deck that I drafted was a blue black deck that I decided. I was just going to try to be the monarch as fast as possible mm-hmm. and then stay the monarch for as long as possible. Yeah, that was your kind of goal. Yeah, and I it started out with the monarch trading a bunch uh, over and over again, but I just got this board full of flying creatures and a lot of death touch creatures yep. that just held things down and nobody mm-hmm. could attack me. Mm-hmm. And I was the monarch and I was just drawing cards and I, I stayed the monarch for the rest of the game. <laughs> yeah, you did, didn't you? Yeah. What does I, the monarch get you to do? <laughs> It lets you draw an extra card at the end of turn. Oh, that seems good. Yeah, and so the game went very, very long, and the way that I lost was I decked myself. You did. I was the monarch drawing two cards every turn, and I decked myself. Absolute power corrupts absolute. Well, it was such a stalemate, like, and mm. I, I definitely think I could have navigated it a little better. I think I just I, right. the problem with multiplayer is that, and this is true for most people, I think, including myself, is that you tend to be a little too conservative with oh. your with your attacks. Might as well just go for it. Yeah, so there are a lot of cases where you should just attack as best you can and don't hold back. I mean, you don't want to make really poor attacks, like attacking a 4-4 into an 8-8 or something. <laughs> it was actually protecting yourself <laughs> so well to be the monarch 
did it even occur to you that you might like run out of cards? Is that even <laughs> well? A it's thing? A, it is a forty card format, you know, and <laughs> so like I didn't really think about that, yeah. but until about halfway through the game, where I was still the monarch and I was drawing, and I was like, oh, my deck's yeah, getting a little small really here, good, but everything's looking kind of thin down there. Yeah, exactly. And then That's I was funny. like, wow, this is actually a real threat. Did to anybody me right catch now. on to that, or did it? Absolutely, oh, yeah, we all did at the same time, kind of thing. Where you're it was like, like dude, dude, you're, you're, you're probably gonna deck yourself. <laughs> and I was like, you know what, I probably am. It it ended up being down to two people. It's just me and another person mm-hmm. in the in the pod in the end when I decked myself. But that's funny. But yeah, I mean you were you had the game. You had, were in control of the game pretty much. Actually, I almost killed him if not mm-hmm. for he top decked an infest, which is three mana minus two minus two to all creatures. So you were down to two. It was just you and one other one other person. Okay. Yeah, and he he top decked an infest. Uh, basically, like the turn before I was gonna kill him. Ugh. Yeah, and then I ended up decking. So him. even then, it was still you were really. Really tight on it. You're ready to. It was win. close, man. <laughs> it was so close. I almost killed him. Like yeah, I, I had enough flyers funny. to the point where now that nobody else was gone, I could start to swing. You play with fire, you get burned. Yeah, and so you know, there's there's a lot of situations where people are um, reluctant to attack, even in the early stages when people don't have uh, blockers to block you anyway. They don't get in for those little points of damage. You know, like the hold the perimeter that mm-hmm. that I drafted yeah. that a few times. There were a lot of cases where people sat there on that one one that can't block and didn't attack anyone with it. <laughs> and their rationale was something along the lines of I don't want to make enemies. Hmm. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Is this is that true in just this conspiracy set or is that just true in multiplayer in I general? I think that's definitely true in multiplayer in general. <clears throat> okay. And uh and you know, and there's there's a grain of truth to that. You don't want to like just focus on one person, but the w- the way that I do it usually is I do it randomly. Mm. Like if I have multiple people who I could attack, I just roll the dice. Like oh, I'm not gonna idea. not attack and get in for points of damage when because you don't want to make somebody mad or point well, out or not mad. But well, if I roll randomly, then mm-hmm. it's not like I'm targeting them specifically. Right. I'm just attacking somebody who can be attacked. Oh, that's a good idea. I like and that getting in for the damage. And that way, you know, there is. A, that there is no level of animosity towards me from that. Like, if somebody gets mad about that, then that's their problem. Well, and a lot of times, in uh, you know, when you're playing one on one, one v one, you know, you're um, you're maybe cho- picking and choosing your attacks based on the blockers that you need, and, mm-hmm. and a lot of that. And so, you're, what you're saying in multiplayer is, well, you might as well go for it and get it in there because somebody's gonna smack you anyway. Well, you it's know? just that when you have the ability to attack freely like you have a good attack on somebody because there's multiple people that you could yeah. attack right yeah. there's going to be cases where you're going to have multiple people that are free to attack for you right. and you have to choose between them and so people don't want to choose because right. they don't so want if you got two people open you're going well I'm swinging it your way I'm going to choose one of you randomly or yes. if all three are open you're just like okay well I'm going to choose one randomly yeah that's usually what I do if everybody ha- if I have good attacks with everybody then I'll attack as well as I can with just randomly. And if there's one dude, if it's just one v one, you just throw your cards in their face. <laughs> right. I actually pick up my deck just off the table it. and I chuck it. At Wait a minute. Face. You mean you're no deck? Oh, that's right. I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> you just turn the table yeah. over. So I think Brr. that's part of the reason why some people struggle, and yeah. I, d- I definitely struggled a little bit with that. But I definitely was like, I'm not gonna skip an attack that I have that mm-hmm. I could get in for some damage without, you know, getting damage back. Like. Yeah. And then <laughs> there was actually a point in one game where... Is this the first one? Um, the first one? Hmm? The first game? No, I'm talking about all of them. Oh, all of them. Okay. Um, so there was one game where it was down to three people, including myself, and we all had some pretty huge board states. And the problem was is we could kill another person by basically swinging all out. But... Each of us could do that. But if we did that, then when it comes around to the other person who's still alive, they right. can just swing at us and kill us. Right. So right. it was a huge stalemate where, because there were three of us, no, none I'm of not we, attack. we couldn't attack, attack anyone because we attack. knew we would die on the crackback <laughs> from the really other player. Funny. So we knew we could kill somebody, uh-huh. but if we did, then we would lose. Right. And so we we ended up in this stalemate where eventually, uh, one of us, it wasn't me, but one of us got. To the point where they were able to comfortably kill one person while still leaving up enough blockers not to die. Interesting. Yeah. So that was an yeah that was a super interesting, Hmm. super interesting match. Was that uh, with the uh, the dude that crapped out those little one twos or was it the with the hold the perimeter? Hold the perimeter. Uh, yeah, that was a hold the perimeter. I kind of wondered if that would happen with that card. I was thinking that maybe that was something that 
Did more than one person have hold the perimeter? In I definitely one? played in a game where where two people, including yeah. myself, so I got a one two and right. a one one, and right. they got a one two and a one one. Everybody got two. Everybody else got two yeah. one ones. And then it was like everybody got their calculators out. It's like okay, I th- yeah. I hmm, thought it was a how fun. How can we do this? I think it was a fun card. Yeah. But I think <laughs> the way that I envisioned it was being that I would get my one two. Everybody else would get their one ones, and everybody would just attack each other with them, and then start picking away at each sure, other. Yeah. And I was like, sweet, this card seems great. But the problem is, is that by giving these people the one ones, they're not necessarily going to attack with them. Like I said, there's right. people who are going to be like, I don't want to attack because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings or something. What's better than a What's better than a passive dude maker, though? I mean, it's like you just go and then make 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 goblins. Yeah, I know, and yeah, and so I think that hold the perimeter is definitely a fine card. I don't it's think comforting. it's comforting. Like, I don't think it's like <laughs> exceptionally powerful or anything. No, but, but it's comforting. It is a f- it, it's a free dude, and everybody else gets a dude that you don't yeah. really care about. No, it's, it's on your dude. turn only, right? I'm trying to remember the card. Is it on more? It only happens once. Uh, once, okay. Yeah. Just at the beginning of the game, everybody gets their token. Oh, I see. I see. No, it doesn't happen. I somebody asked me that. They were like, "Wait, does a, do you get a token every turn?" And I was like, "No way." Well, that's what I thought it was. Can you imagine? That would be <laughs> awful. What a horrible, horrible card. That'd that would be amazing. Be. That would be just the worst because it would just be like the one card game ruiner where everybody's <laughs> yeah. like, "Well, there's my plan out the window." Well, I mean, not if you built. Yeah, not if you had cards that could counter Dude, it, it doesn't somehow. even matter, because you would, you'd get into the game, and you'd have built your deck already, and right. then you go, oh, okay, everybody's okay. going to have a bunch of creatures every turn now. I didn't yeah. build my deck around yeah. that. Yeah, I like these impossible scenarios. I, <laughs> I'm working on it right now as we speak, yeah, thinking well, about how to make it work. Speaking of sort of impossible scenarios, let's talk about my, my absurd, absurd conspiracy deck. Yeah, this was cool. So you had done originally, like, okay, I'm going to be the monarch the first time through. You're like, I'm going to see how I can... Stay yeah. the monarch as long as possible mm-hmm. and kind of build then towards that. I did a few more between that and this one that I'm talking about. And by the time I got to this one, I was a little bit more well-versed. And I I think that what carried this draft was the conspiracy cards that I got. They, mm-hmm. I got a rare conspiracy and I got a mythic conspiracy. The rare one I got first pack. And then the mythic one I think I got second pack mm-hmm. or third, even third pack maybe. But um, no, it was second pack. So first pack, I got a weight advantage. Yeah. Which means that all of my creatures deal damage equal to their toughness instead of their power. Right. The Doran, the Siege Tower effect, basically, but permanently for the entire game for just you. Mm-hmm. What that means is that you get cards like Jeering Homunculus, which is a two-mana zero-four that I goes love a that creature. Card. No, it doesn't have defender, which means it can still attack. Right. Yeah, I love that card too, and it's even better with weight advantage because then it's just straight up a two mana four four. Yeah, which is dumb. Right, and so I ended up in blue and green, and I got I think two jeering homunculuses. I got a bunch of ravenous lucercotas, right. which are the Three, four mana two fours. Two four, okay. That have vigilance and monstrosity. Right. And so with that, there are four mana four four vigilance, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I got um. A bunch of like fairly inconsequential cards that just happen to have higher toughness in their power. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I had to search for Someone a few flying. Yeah. I had some flying creatures. Yeah. Uh, but the big deal that I had was I got a Hymn of the Wilds, which is the mythic conspiracy, one of the two mythic conspiracies, and that one is the first creature spell you cast each turn costs one generic mana less to cast, and <laughs> you can't cast instant sorcery spells. So when that came around to me, I looked at my pool and I was like, you know what? I've only drafted a couple instants and sorceries, and the rest of mine are pretty much all creatures. Right. So I was like, I'm in. Grabbed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and basically what I like to think of this deck as being in the end is basically R&D's worst, worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Because suddenly, not only was I playing... Yeah, we better cheering. make that mythic. No, we don't want anybody to get this and Well, those. no. The reason I call it R&D's Nightmare is because my creatures were absurdly powerful oh, because of all of this combo. Oh, I see, combo. I see, I see. Not only did were some of my creatures well above the curve. This is breaking the rules. Yeah, it's really breaking the rules because, you know, I had a 4-mana four 4-4 four, four Vigilance at common. Like, that doesn't happen. <laughs> I had a 2-mana 4-4 four, four Vanilla <laughs> right. that goads a creature when it enters the battlefield, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and like... <laughs> With Hymn of the Wilds, I got to reduce basically each of these creatures, their mana cost by one. Right. So not only did I have a card that was t- that cost two mana originally and is a 4-4 four four now, I ha- it now costs one. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, here's my one mana 4-4 four four deck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so 
And yeah, that's why I call it Harmony's worst nightmare because th- those are some absurdly, absurdly powerful cards that I had, and they They're weren't meant to be to like be. that. <laughs> they were not meant to be like that at all. <laughs> so basically, I got into the game. Oh, I had two Voyaging Satyrs too, which meant that they were one mana when I cast them for the first turn, which means they were the cost of an Elvish Mystic. Mm. They tap to untap a land, which mm. means they basically fix all of my colors instead of just green. Mm. And they're a 1-2 originally, so they're actually basically a 2-2 in my deck. That's so, insane. you know, just a one mana 2-2 two, two mana mm. dork. Mm-hmm. Well, so yeah. there's another <laughs> another yeah. card that we'll never see. And like even a 0-4, even a Homunculus is a 0-4, is not bad, you know, like as a blocker anyway on sure. its own. but. But then, in addition to making it a four-four, mm-hmm. like it, I'm just saying, it can kind of sit there comfortably for a while as yeah, you, exactly. as you it's s- fine. gear up a little bit. But now it's a one mana four-four. So did you ever hit the monstrous on those? Uh... Nope, didn't get that far. <laughs> didn't have to. Nope. I mm. uh, I ended up playing. Uh, basically, I started with a turn one voyaging Seder, and then turn two I played a ravenous Lucrocrota. <laughs> so I had a turn two, four four vigilance. Yep. And then turn five, I played a Nessian Asp, <laughs> which is a four five mana five. Well, it's a four mana for me. Four mana five five, uh, With reach and monstrosity reach and monstrosity. That got killed actually, but then mm. I just played basically another ravenous Lucrocrota because yep. I had three of them. Yep. And. <laughs> And then I played a stunt double later, copying Ravenous Lucrocrota. <laughs> right. Because I actually had two conspiracies naming Ravenous Lucrocrota, which was the one that you pay a green, and it gets at the beginning of combat, you can pay a green, and it gets a plus one, plus one counter. That's and then good. when it deals combat damage to a player, you can pay blue and draw a card. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so how much damage did you have on the board at that point? Do you remember? Well, by the end of the game, I was swinging for 18 at a time when everybody else was still kind of in the early stages of their <laughs> development. Like, well, I guess I have a few lands now. Yeah, one person had a Kiln Fiend. Um, <laughs> he was pretty proud of that. And I grew a War Chant. Ooh. Oh, yeah. And then I had a bunch of creatures. <laughs> and so it, it ended up being that two of the players just conceded from the game. Yeah. They didn't even want to play it out. They were like, yeah, I can't beat that. Yeah, no, and, I got uh, nothing. And then the other player stuck it out and won basically the tr- and and lost. I mean, sorry, he did not win. Right, <laughs> I won for sure. <laughs> I was sure. gonna say, are you sure? Uh, you won? He lost basically a turn or two after that. Sure, but he stuck with it else. just to he, see. Yeah, he was like, I'm gonna keep going. And I was yeah. like, I'll attack you for eighteen. Put him to two. Basically, I got something. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah, and that's so, great. And that was the last draft that you had, the last draft of mm-hmm. the, the weekend anyway. So No, that wasn't the last draft. Oh, it wasn't? That was the second to last. Oh, right. That's right. You uh, texted me that first part of the day. Yeah, yep. I remember that now. Okay. That was cool. So that was my insanely gross draft deck that I that I drafted. And I felt, I felt really great <clears throat> just because I got to do something like that. I didn't feel very great because I kind of shut everyone else out of the game. Right, all of a sudden. <laughs> that they spent a bunch of time <laughs> drafting this deck, and I just came in and went, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, hey, you know, that's the game, I guess. But that does go to, sh- go to show you this power of some of these conspiracies, yeah, like really the rare cool. ones and, mm-hmm. the, and the, the mythic ones, for sure. Like, if you can build your deck around that, they're all, most of the conspiracies you really have to build, like the, the rare conspiracies, you have to build your deck around them in a certain way. Um, the weight advantage, you definitely want to prioritize creatures with a higher toughness than their power, obviously. The Hymn of the Wilds, if you take too many instances of sorceries, then you're just screwed you can't play it at all sovereign's realm if you t- take too many conspiracies you're screwed as well yeah so a lot of a lot of uh, luck and timing aligned in that one and that's yeah <laughs> became that was, that was a little bit like the, yeah it became <laughs> you should post nightmare. that uh, b- post that deck list to you oh yeah I'll, i have the i have the card sitting around so I'll, I'll probably put the deck list in the description or something yeah we can put it in the description yeah that sounds good or on your new blog what? Wait, no, I don't know. I don't have a new blog. I figured maybe you would. Might be a good good backup. Yeah. My FNM list. Oh, yeah, that'd be kind of cool. My draft list. Um, Wouldn't be a bad idea to kind of... Yeah, maybe. So, yeah, I had a really great time. Oh, um, Capital Punishment Yeah. was a fun one that I got yeah. to play. Yeah, I think you were you were talking to me a little bit about it, and we had, uh, on the spoiler, we had talked about it, and, mm-hmm. uh, and it turns out that that was uh, pretty great. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that was a six-mana... Another one that Sorcery. you thought maybe people hadn't really read. Yes, because I got it like fourth or fifth pick, and so either neither none of those people were in black or they just didn't really read the and cards. And so when you played it at one point, have. people said, "Wait, 
this is every opponent opponent yeah. and then for every vote that is death or taxes yes right? so what ended up happening was um so at one point in the in a game i i was sitting there with about three or four creatures in play my opponents had a decent board state usually uh most of them and uh, i think one one person had like one creature in play but the rest had multiple creatures in play so i played capital punishment and i started with the vote for everybody else sacks a creature the next person said, okay, everybody else sacks a creature. And then the next person said that as well, and the next person. And then the person who had only one creature said, oh, we can pick for everyone to discard. Turns out he had a bunch of lands that were stuck in his hand because he was flooding out a bunch. So he was like, okay, everybody else discards. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. And so it ended up being uh, six mana. We had five people in that game. So it ended up being six mana. Each opponent of mine sacrifices four creatures and discards a card. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, wait, what? Yeah, and then when it got done, I was like, okay, move to combat. Yeah. And one of them was like, hey, wait, what about your creatures? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, it's each opponent. <laughs> and I like showed him the card. He was like, what? Oh. That's gross. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that card okay. ended up being very good. I think that that's one of those cards that's probably going to end up being kind of an EDH staple, probably. Yeah. It's just really good no matter what, I think. Because everybody's going to pick the, the option that suits them best, obviously. It's one of those Punisher mechanics that... That tends to be not very good, but the problem, the, the the thing is, is that it's one-sided. So your opponents have to do all of it. You did, you get no, no no detriment for casting it. Yeah. And as long as your opponent, uh, you know, there's gonna be at least one person who's who's gonna want other people to sack creatures, and one person who's gonna want other people to discard a card, yeah. including themselves. And so you'll you'll most likely get all the effects that are. <coughs> That are good. I mean, it's all good, right? It's all upside for you. Yep. Um, I think the problem with it comes with when there are people that are out of the game at that point. So if you uh, if you have people that have lost already and are out of the game, they don't get a vote. So your card gets worse then. But in you know the er as soon as it turns six turn in EDH six turn in EDH, I think casting that card will be pretty good. Um, Maybe not a staple card, but I think people will try it, and I think it would be pretty solid. Yeah, and remind me again, because I'm ignorant, but uh, the EDH is a multiplayer as well? Yeah, that's Commander. Commander. Yeah. Okay. that's uh, the If I say Commander or if I say EDH, they're the same thing. Yeah. EDH was the original name of the format. Elder Dragon Highlander is what it sounds Elder like. Elder Dragon Highlander. Yeah, okay. so when that... And so Commander. Yeah, when that format started, um, it was called Elder Dragon Highlander because for your commander you could only pick from the elder dragon cards which are uh, i'm not sure if i'm going to be able to remember all the names but um nicol bolas yeah. was one of them the original creature version of mm -hmm. nicol bolas um vivictus asmodi or something uh chromium i think mm. is one of them uh arcade sabbath i think is one another one and then one last one that I can't remember. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> plenty. <laughs> but anyway, those were the Elder Dragons. That's exactly four more than I would re remember. <laughs> so that's uh, those are the Elder Dragons, and so in the beginning of the format, those were your only options for commanders. Mm -hmm. And so you built your singleton card deck, you know, of a hundred cards, including your Elder Dragon. Right. And then you played against each other, but then they eventually expanded it into being any legendary creature could be yeah. your commander. Yeah, maybe we we'll have to maybe we can do a podcast on that if we want sometime. Yeah, do absolutely. A podcast on that. Uh, I love EDH for much different reasons than I love mm -hmm. uh, competitive like standard and modern. I don't remember even being on the radar the last time that we well when you started playing back in uh, ninth edition. Yeah, I don't think it was well, it was not nearly as popular as it is now. You know, it was kind of like a, t a tabletop or a yeah, I think kitchen the, table the first time that Wizards actually specifically made a commander product was like 2011. Oh yeah, it wasn't that long ago. I remember those coming out. They were like sets that had the big card in it. Yeah, Big so there were. I think we started playing again around 2013 mm -hmm. when the Commander 2013 sets came out, which were the um, the shard, uh, right? The shard decks. Everybody was diving for coming in for cards. Right? Yeah, and uh, the original set was the wedge set was a was a wedge set, I believe, the Commander deck. So they had the Jeskai, Mardu, and stuff like that for the color combinations. And then we've had now up until just this uh, tw Commander 2016, you know. Uh, with the two color uh, enemy color decks was 2016. 
Cool. So, uh, conspiracy definitely worth it. Did you uh, walk away with some cards? That oh, you um, like? I didn't. I, I didn't get anything super, super exciting. Um, well, I guess not. I got a Doretti. Doretti. Yeah, yeah, the the Planeswalker yep. Doretti, which um, I didn't end up playing it. I actually drafted it in that deck. In that draft where I got the the R and D's worst nightmare dream. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, okay. That was in that so draft like, oh, where I got yeah, it, so I was just definitely not in black or red, so I couldn't even splash it. But I grabbed it obviously because it's it's Planeswalker. <laughs> and uh, I got uh, Berserk as well. I think those were the only two mythics that I got besides the conspiracy, the Hymn of the Wild. Cool. Um, but then I got a bunch of pretty solid rares. Most of what I I grabbed. Um, I actually ended up drafting most of the rares that got passed to me, even if I didn't really need it um, for my deck. I was just kind of rare drafting a little bit. Sure. <laughs> Not even for money, but just to have them for EDH, honestly. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of cards that uh, are, like, really EDH staple cards that I didn't have, like Desertion and Phyrexian Arena and uh, Psychosis Crawler and stuff like that. Yeah. Just really good cards to have for EDH that I never had. And now I have copies of them just because yeah. I picked them up in draft, and I got to play some games of Magic. Yeah, and there's definitely room for that. I mean, when you consider how many cards you're drafting and actually make it into the deck, you know, yeah. there's um, definitely room for that. Yeah, I think it was fine. Uh, I I did end up getting somehow I got a playset of Recruiter of the Guards, the right. the three mana one one that searches for a creature with yeah. toughness two or less in your deck and puts it in your hand. <laughs> I don't know how that, how that ended up happening. Somehow the stars aligned and yeah. four of them came my way. That's and really weird. Now I have my playset. Maybe if I they ever printed want more or something. I don't know. So I'm in the I'm in an interesting spot where I didn't actually spend any specific money on these cards, but they're still worth something. I think right now, but I'm not sure if they're going to be worth anything down the line. Just because I don't know if they're going to see. Uh, actual play in Legacy. I I kind of hope they do, just so that they go up in value. But yeah, I didn't really put uh, a huge investment into them in the first place, so I'm not really worried about that. Cool. But I have them. Yeah, yeah. Never hurts to have cards. Yeah. The only thing that it doesn't have going forward is that basically the one card that gets fetched with Imperial Recruiter, the card it's sort of trying to emulate the most, like the one card that gets fetched the most with it, Painter Servant cannot be fetched with the recruiter of the guards because huh. painter servant is a one three which means imperial recruiter can get it because it, it cares about power rather than toughness but recruiter of the card can't recruiter huh. the recruiter of the guard cannot get it interesting yeah hmm. yeah so uh, what else do you want to talk about uh let's talk about bread bread my favorite mm-hmm. thing so um it's warm and the soft, bread <laughs> buttery tasty uh the bread <laughs> system bread. is something that you can use in your drafts, which could be useful if you're going to do any conspiracy drafts after this. Oh, um, yeah. So the bread system... So this is a staple mutton, uh, system. Yeah, it's it's just sort of evaluating? a guideline. It's sort Not of a... Not necessarily evaluation. It's, it's, um, it's a method of pick, picking in draft. Gotcha. Yeah, right. So I remember this. Yeah. Um, Obviously, I use it all the time. It's e- just ingrained <laughs> in my mind. Yeah, so it's not always correct to pick based on the bread system, but in the dark is usually correct. Big, red, evil, and dragons? Yeah. <laughs> and dragon? <laughs> no. And dragon, and then uh, you're good. So, yeah, it, it is an acronym, though. Each of the, um, or is that what an acronym? Yeah, that's exactly what an acronym is. Are you sure? Yeah. I thought an acronym had to make an actual word. Wait, that it does it does do that. <laughs> if it does, you got it covered. <laughs> if it's not an acronym, I think it is an acronym. So anyway, if you're hearing this, correct us. So we'll know e- you're there. Each of the yeah right. If you um, cause cause I think like NASA is not an acronym, right? It's a what? Is it start with a C? NASA. Yeah, NASA. Because it's not an ac- It doesn't National make an actual Aerospace. word. And science administration, or something. Yeah. National Aerospace Science Administration, right? Like that, yeah. Um, no, but the problem is, is that the word, the letters NASA, right, don't, don't spell, spell word. a word. Yeah, it does. NASA. <laughs> 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 anyway, so, so I, bread. I, I think it's called onomatopoeia. No, that's when a, a word sounds like alliteration. A, that's when two the a, a sequence of words has the same consonant at the beginning. Consonants. 
that's anything that's not a vowel. In <laughs> All right. Anyway, so the bread system, uh, each of the letters in the, in the word bread stands for a different type of card that you, uh, you can pick in, <coughs> in a draft. Yeah, so basic it's sort of like type. a category. Yeah, category, sure. A category of cards, basically. So they're based on what kind of the, their function in mm -hmm. your deck will be. So let's start with B, obviously. The first letter is a very good place to start for it. <laughs> uh, so B stands for bombs. 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 This thing's a bomb. I hear it all the time. That yep. is so bomb. Oh, that's I a heard bomb that the other rare, day. Man. So bomb. It's so bomb. It's a bomb. Like so what a bomb means is a bomb rare. Usually it's a rare. A bomb is something that will be able to single handedly win you the game. So <laughs> if this hits if this hits the table, um it's not it's not foolproof, but no, no, but but Jimmy's are gonna get rustled. Yes, yeah, so it's like your um your uh, Gisela the Broken Blades. <laughs> so Gisela the Broken Blade would be considered a bomb because she's a four mana, four three flying, first strike lifelink. So not stuff. not a whole lot of nuance to her, but <laughs> just the fact that she's big, she's mean, she gains you life, so she helps you race. She's got flying, so she's got evasion. She's got first strike, so she's basically impossible to block. Uh, she just wins the game so fast. She's she's got four power, which is great. So it means that it, from twenty in five swings, you're dead mm -hmm. basically. Plus all the just, other shenanigans. Yeah, exactly. You got going all the on. other damage you can deal throughout the game added onto that. So even on her own, she's a five turn clock. That's a bomb. That's a bomb. So when you're picking in drafts, one of the f the the highest priority for cards that you pick should be bombs. If you see a bomb in a pack, you should pick it immediately. Um, so get it. Evaluating when cards are bombs is uh, kind of an art in and of itself, but generally speaking, they're going to be rare, uh, which is by design, because, I mean, the rarity is supposed to be to kind of prohibit that kind of card from seeing a lot of play in um, limited. Yeah, if everyone's special, no one is special. Yeah, so <laughs> your rare cards are ones that they specifically don't want people to have very often because they're they tend to be stronger. Not always the case, but so your your bomb rares are going to be ones that are really difficult to remove, uh, are uh, going to kill your opponents exceptionally fast, um, are really good at uh, swinging games back, especially if you're behind. A lot of the cards that um, are good when you're really far behind are going to be the best ones, like board wipes and stuff like that. Um, especially like destroy all creature effects like Wrath of God or um, J Day of Judgment and stuff like that. The big those red reset button. Yeah, exactly. The big white reset button. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so those kind of effects are also very strong mm -hmm. um, because they can pull you out of some pretty huge slumps, basically, in your games. So those are your bomb rares, and those are the ones you want to prioritize really heavily in draft. Um, your R, which is the next letter in the word bread, if you're following along at home. <laughs> uh, which they are. Write this down. R. R. Wait, don't be. R stands R. for removal. Removal is something that tends to be at a real premium in drafts. Um, especially the better removal spells, like, for instance, in Eldritch Boon, you have murder at uncommon as basically the best removal spell. And interesting enough, in Conspiracy, removal was sort of eh, kind of yeah. meh. Yeah, so with Conspiracy Draft, um, this is why I don't I don't advocate using removal too heavily in Conspiracy. You do want some in your deck just because there are going to be cards that sure. you need answers to. Something gets completely out of control. Yeah, and so uh, removal when you have multiplayer going on is just it's technically card disadvantage for you just because you're removing one of your opponent's cards, but your other two opponents are not being affected at all. So they're going to be up a card on you too. Um, but it's kind of a necessary evil just because there are going to be some cards that you need to have answers to or else they're just going to kill the whole table. Or so removal uh, creatures specifically? Hmm? Creature removal. Creature removal. Yeah, creature removal being the, the, the big one. I mean... Um, most of what you're doing in limited is going to be based on creatures. Yeah. That's just the the most efficient and easy way to kill somebody in most draft environments. Mm -hmm. um, just because, you know, even a 1-1 could potentially kill somebody, right? 
Yeah, just right. Give it enough time. Yeah, get it enough times, mm-hmm. a 1-1. One, one. Whereas something like a lightning bolt is always going to deal only 3 damage and nothing higher than that, mm-hmm. unless there's some effect. But you're never going to just, like, 20 to 0 somebody with a single lightning bolt, right? Um, mm. Unless you're, like, doing some weird, weird shenanigans. <laughs> like, oh, I'll copy it, and then I'll copy it again. I'll Pyromancer's <laughs> Ascension or something. But regardless, uh, so you got removal as your second highest picks, just because having good answers to creatures, especially really efficient and instant speed ones and stuff like that, will help you uh, win a game where your opponent's bombs come down, you know? Like, for instance, Gisela matches up pretty poorly against a murder. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, removal as a way to counter your opponent's more impressive things, and also to use them for tempo as well, to remove their their bigger creatures from your your blockers and stuff like that. Removal is just good, and it and the the better removals are going to be very very highly picked in draft. Yep. Do removals tend to be um, um, commons or uncommons or there just depends are, on the set? There there are going to be removal spells kind of at across every, the board. Yeah. Yeah, at every rarity, um, yeah. the better ones are going to uh, the better ones at common are going to be really highly picked. There are you know like if you look at some pack one pick ones that people do. Um, for, like, uh, there's uh, William Huey Jensen, uh, who does Channel Fireball. He mm-hmm. does some pack one pick ones, and there are often going to be packs where you got like a really mediocre rare and just some okay uncommons, but then you've got this common removal spell that's pretty okay, like one of the better common mm-hmm. removal spells available, like Galvanic Bombardment yeah. or Prey Upon and stuff like that. These really cheap. Uh, useful removal spells, and they'll pick those first in a pack for their first card that they ever draft. If the rare is bad yeah. and the uncommons are unexciting, yep. then they then it's easy to pick one of those removal spells. So, and that, there's also there's a kind of a spectrum of removal too. It's it, um, you know an enchantment that uh, disables your crea- disables a creature or um, uh, something that causes the creature to tap and doesn't untap is not necessarily removal. Well, or it is, but then they, there's the kind that uh, maybe lifts it out of the uh, back to the opponent, yeah, and then there's spells. a kind that just straight out destroys it. Yeah, and so all of those can be considered removal, <coughs> and all of them have their place. You know, um, a bounce spell. The interesting thing about bounce spells is they're 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 card card disadvantage almost always, um, but you can kind of negate some of that card disadvantage by holding on to them, the instant speed ones. The sorcery, sorcery speed bounce spells are very, very bad, unless they're the card drag under because it draws you a card. <laughs> drag under in <laughs> Eldritch Moon, it replaces anyway. itself, so it's not a card disadvantage. Um, but cards like uh, Just the Wind, which is an instant speed bounce spell. <laughs> That's what I tell your mom. <laughs> oh, it's Just the Wind, honey. Mm, what was that? <laughs> just the Wind. <laughs> so those instant speed bounce spells are useful in response to combat tricks or other spells that you have yeah. like um it could even be in response to your opponent's removal spell yeah. you could bounce your own creature yep. to your hand nope it's not there yeah and so or they attach an enchantment to it that does some sure or the, and you yeah. whoop, bounce they're your trying to hook up one of their own creatures with an aura or something sure. like that. that yeah that can negate some of that card disadvantage by actually trading with a card um, so those are the situations you want to look out for uh, with for bo- so you're looking bounce for spells. A, yeah, you, but you're looking for a, you're you're looking for a you're looking for a boomerang with card draw. Yeah, the if, ideal. If, yeah, that's the ideal. And the boomerang is instant or sorcery. If if not uh, if not um, if not drawing you a card, it should be instant speed at the very least and cheap. It shouldn't be very expensive. Yeah, Roger that. Um, or it can if it can bounce multiple creatures, that can also be very very good just because. That's a huge tempo swing. Cool. Um, yeah. Like the card Into the Void, which is a four mana return two creatures to their owner's hands, yeah. up to two. Yeah. Um, that can be really huge just because that can really put you farther ahead on your board than a Yeah, that's tough. And then they I can mean, struggle to catch up. Yeah, one creature is kind of like, well, it's coming in next turn, I guess. Yeah, they might and just play it next turn. Two is like, oh, crap. Yeah, if you can get up to like three or something or like bouncing your entire your opponent's mm-hmm. entire board, which mm-hmm. very, very rarely happens, but that can be. So there are different levels of removal, basically, yeah. is what I was just trying but to point out. they're all fairly high picks in draft. Yeah, sure. Makes sense. Yeah. So uh, that's our uh, R. R for removal. Yes. Um, so even stands for evasion. Yay. 
evasion. So evasion are any kind of ability on a creature that makes it difficult to block in any way, shape, or form. So flying would be the most common one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some because creatures uh, need to have flying or reach to block a flyer. Exactly. So evasive in, creatures yeah. are really, really uh, at a premium in draft just because um, without being that they can't be blocked, they're a way to sort of or can't be blocked, uh, are difficult to block, they're a way to kind of get in for damage when there are board stalls happening, you know? There are going to be a lot of cases in limited games, especially in, like, standard legal sets and stuff like that, where the power level is fairly fairly middling, you know, Mm -hmm. in general. Um, There are going to be times where there are going to be huge board stalls where nobody really has any good attacks except for the person who has flying creatures that don't care about your opponent's blockers, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's why they're at such a premium, especially the the flying creatures that have uh, really good abilities or power or um, are just efficient, like Giselle the Broken Blade, for example. She's an evasive creature that's got four power for four mana, which means that she's really efficient. She's really strong in that regard. I mean, it's a love affair. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's just admit it. Um, yeah, so anything that has an evasive ability, Skulk is another one from Eldritch Moon and yeah. um, and from Shadows that is it is an evasive ability. Yeah. It's a little different because they're they tend to be on the weaker side, mm-hmm. um, those creatures, just because that's the nature of the Skulk ability. But Skulk is still an evasive ability, and so it does put the creature up a little bit in pick order. Yeah, you know, cards that say things like can't be blocked except by. Oh, yeah, or, like, um, Intimidate is another one. Uh, Menace is an evasive ability that's... Um, it's a little weaker just because they're, the conditions to meet for blo- being able to block it are fairly easy. It's just you have to have two creatures that are able to block it. Yeah. But Menace is also a, an evasive yeah. ability that does that does uh, make the cards a little bit this better. This was in Eldritch again? Or Menace? Yeah. Menace came about in Magic 2015. Oh, right, right. Magic right, Origins. Menace. Okay, yeah. Magic Origins was the, the first Menace set. Anyway, um, so evasive abilities are your, your next kind of uh, higher pick, uh, your pick order for Would you bread. consider something like um, Death Touch to be kind of an evasive? Yeah, in a, in a way, um, just because... It's like, ooh, I don't want to touch that. Yeah, there's a lot of times where those Death Touch creatures just sort of have evasion because your opponents just do not want to block Well, I guess you're getting in for one. I'm not yeah. going to destroy my big... Yeah. Uh, so let's... Uh, so we got evasion. So let's recap quick. Uh, so we've got bombs for B. Uh, removal. And then we've got evasion. So that's our BRE. Now we got A. A, I've heard a few different uh, explanations for this, but the way that I always thought of it was aggro. Um, and the w- the thing about that is just efficient curve creatures, right? Oh, sure. So filling out your curve, making sure you have enough cards to play on turn two and on turn three, and just to make sure that you're not stumbling on those turns and not playing anything. Um, now, these these the cards that fit into this category are just solid playable creatures most of the time, or just cards in general. So your your grizzly bears, your two mana two twos are fine. You know they're you're gonna play them if you need them. Like your moorland drifters, like that kind of thing, or your ghoul callers accomplices, or your field creepers, or moving up you could have your woodland patrols are fairly okay. They're mediocre but fine. Your dauntless cathars, uh, those kind of things. Uh, they are really good, efficient creatures that are fine to play and you and fill out your curve to make sure you have stuff to do. Um, that that's basically all there is to say about it, honestly. Yeah. I mean, you just want to fill out your curve and make sure that you're you're doing things when you when you have the mana available. Yeah. So one of the things that can happen when you're drafting is you kind of get enamored by certain spells and things like that, and you might be picking up uh, a lot of instants and sorceries, and you know maybe. Maybe there's an enchantment that catches your eye or something like that, and then you go, oh hey, here's a land I want to grab because it's gonna fix my fix my mana somehow, and then you're like, oh crap, that's right, I'm gonna need creatures and destruction, yeah. and and I think drafting out most of the time, if well all the time, is really creature based damage. Yeah, absolutely. So, so just don't forget to pick up on curve creatures once yeah. you, you know, something that makes sense. But the thing with picking tre- creatures as well is, you know, um, you talked about bombs, but there's also like in a in a standard format or in that kind of thing, you might be 
picking on curve because you're building your curve. You're building right. your deck with all the mana that you need and everything yeah. like that. <clears throat> but one of the things that struck me is I was always, when I first started drafting, was that I was kind of picking creatures with that in mind. Like, I really need some two, three manas, mm-hmm. you know. And then, yeah. But, I mean, picking a, a six-mana creature isn't, Depending on what it does, obviously, but this is not a bad idea. I mean, that's sure. going to happen because a lot of these games go long and your mana gets up to a point. Sure, depending you on your it. deck. Right. Um, but there are going to be situations where you kind of look at your pool and you go, you're like midway into pack two or something. You're like, oh, crap, I actually don't have a lot of two drops right now and I really mm-hmm. want more two drops, especially if you're trying to be an aggressive deck. If you're an aggressive deck, you definitely want a lot of two drop creatures. Um and then you might you might be in a case situation where you're like, oh crap, I don't have a lot of three drops. So I'm going to prioritize three drop creatures and stuff like that. And so those are the something to keep in mind as you're going along. Yeah, yeah that's something that you should uh, you should keep in your mind as as far as what you've been picking so far and where it fits into your deck. Yeah, or and if you're, what you're missing. Or if you're like me, you're just you're just flying by the seat of the pants, <laughs> like, ooh, that's a pretty card. <laughs> oh, I like that one too. Yeah. And then I get enamored by all these. Oh, well, I just picked the best card out of all that. And I go, okay, what color am I? What, uh, okay. Well, I'll and then you end up with, later. you know, 10 five drops and no, <laughs> no two drops. Yeah, and well. you're just like, oh, crap. I guess this is my life now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just going to go for it and see what happens. Yeah, for instance. It'll be fun. Yeah, for instance, in that, um, that R&D's Worst Nightmare deck, I ended up having to play some kind of crappy cards. Partly because I, I picked a few instants and sorceries that I wasn't able to play. Um, yeah. before I picked the Hymn of the Wilds. And so I was kind of searching for playables just to fill out my deck. And the other thing is that my curve was a little wonky because of that. And so I was missing some three drops and stuff like that, yeah. which actually ended up being kind of okay. Um, I knew it going into it when I was looking at my curve and I had it laid out. I was like, you know what? I'm missing a lot of three drops, but I do have two, um, had, I guess, three drops, quote unquote. I'm kind of thinking more along the lines of two drops, quote unquote, because of the Hymn of the Wilds. But... I had All those right. Voyaging Satyrs, which would help me kind of jump the gap from uh, quote-unquote two mana to quote-unquote four mana. Right. And so that helped a little bit. So I had a, a, a decent amount of four-drop cards to play, and then those Voyaging Satyrs would help me jump the gap in between so that I didn't really need a three-drop if I had the Voyaging Satyr and a four-drop. Yeah, right on. Yeah. So uh, our last letter... Uh, D for destruction! <laughs> right. Or D for duds. Duds? Yeah, so duds. duds. Yeah, so duds being just those crap, uh, you know, your... Uh, see, this is my problem. I don't see any your duds. Your chaplain's blessings. They're, no, they're... Your they contingency all plans. All got you. <laughs> oh, contingency These are plans. your duds. You're just sort of... Not really playable cards. There hey, are come some. Come on, it has. No, it doesn't. There are some. Hey, situ- I could use it in. No, no, I can't. So there are some situations where these cards might actually be relevant, but overall, they're just not really playable. Yes, yeah, so if it's not relevant in the format that you are currently in, which you are currently engaged right. in, <laughs> it's probably a dud. Yeah, exactly. Cards that do nothing but gain you life, like Chaplain's Blessing, one mana <laughs> gain five life. Cards that uh, are just too slow or have really bad bar- bodies like Hound of the Far Bogs is a is a not very good card. Five mana five three with maybe menace. Um you know, just cards that just aren't really playable. Those are your dud cards. You know that... what's funny is that I never knew that. I never knew that D was dud. No? I kinda got the other ones I was like, oh yeah, bomb <laughs> you know, evasion. Yeah, I got that. Yeah, sure, yeah. there you go. Um oh duds. They're are potentially just not good cards yep. to draft. Okay, and that's why it's the last. They're your last, last priority. You don't want to take these until you know there's three cards left of the pack, and there's just nothing here. I'm just gonna grab this whatever card. Or yeah, you know, I've seen situations like on Magic Online, you draft a land with it, and you technically do. You it, can. You're supposed to. Mm-hmm. You're technically supposed to in in regular draft, but everybody dumps it. Everybody dumps it. There's no point. Um. But like tisk, tisk. there are some situations on Magic Online where you'll watch some people draft and it'll come down to two cards, the land and like some vessel of volatility or some un- yeah. horribly unplayable card. And you'll see the person drafting go, you know, what, I'm going to take the land here in the hopes that my opponent <laughs> plays this other card. <laughs> Maybe if I give him this card, he'll play it because uh, it's just so bad that well, they're it was like, the okay. last one. It was just meant to be. Oh, it's so good. I'm going to make this work. Yeah, exactly. <gasps> I can oh, see look this. At this. Oh, this could be good, you know. Yeah, it was really interesting to watch. It, it is always interesting to watch in in the draft too, and you can learn a lot just diving in by what 
what people leave behind, especially mm-hmm. players that you know are better. Mm-hmm. You just look and go, okay, why would he leave that? Why would he leave this? Yeah. Hmm. You know? Yeah. So ultimately, um, and sometimes there are a lot of D cards. Oh yeah. In in a pack. I mean. Oh yeah. Sometimes you just some some really trashy packs. Yeah. And so you might have to pick those trashy packs. I like that trash pack. So um, yeah. Uh, ultimately, this sort of system is it's fairly fairly robust, but not. It's not gonna apply all the time. There are definitely gonna be some times where there are some removal spells that you don't pick as highly as some efficient creatures or something like that, just because the creatures are definitely better. Um, but you know, as a fail-safe, you know, if you really can't decide between some cards, you can just go look at it and be like, okay, is it a removal spell? Then I'll take that over this creature that I think is good, you know, or something like that. And I think that'll get you pretty far. Um, personally, I don't really use the bread system very often anymore. Um, I don't, I don't, I definitely don't specifically think about it at this point. I've definitely gone through my phase of drafting where I do kind of go, okay, well, I'm going to pick this because it's a removal spell or something. Um, but as you start to kind of ingrain this this in your brain, you'll just start to naturally pick the 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 earlier letters higher than other cards. Yeah, you know? right. Now. You know, you'll you'll naturally pick removal spells over other cards, or you'll naturally pick certain cards, and then you'll also naturally get into situations where you don't pick by the bread system, and you do leave behind those removal spells or something, and pick the efficient creatures. And I think that just all comes off uh, comes from experience and just getting better, and also knowing the environment and playing with the cards in it, so that you really know how they function and how highly they're they're you're able to pick them. So you're saying that in order to get better at things you have to do them more often and then understand things about <laughs> them more and maybe potentially research oh yeah or read all right which or, so that is kind of an hey, important thing you to know if, if somebody's listening to this they're already doing one of those things oh my gosh look at that first step they're right. getting like somebody else's opinion and somebody's yeah. viewpoint like mm-hmm. Can you learn from that, like by learning what other people have done? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that I highly encourage everyone who could possibly be listening to this and wants to play Magic at a higher level to go out and research and read articles. I recommend Star City Games. I recommend Channel Fireball. Um, you know, there's some good stuff on MTG Goldfish. Uh, uh, oh, know, man. There's MTGcoverage.com is a great place to watch um, videos of pros playing. Yep. Uh, I recommend you check out YouTube channels of people like um, Kenji Egashira, who's um, Numat the Nummy on uh, Twitch. He's a really, really good uh, streamer. Speaking of Twitch. Right. There's Twitch streamers. There's um, Caleb Durward, uh, who I think is Caleb DMTG on Twitch. There's uh, LSV. Uh, Louis Scott Vargas streams. There's, uh, I'm just like racking my brain for who I'm following yeah, no, on but Twitch. This is a lot. <laughs> um, and uh, there's Channel Fireball has a Twitch uh, account, which usually is a thing. Neil Oliver, I think his name is, mm-hmm. is usually the one who's uh, dr- uh, streaming on there. Um, you know, watch SCG yep. Live. Watch. And don't forget Star City Games. Yeah, SCG Live is great on the weekends when they have those opens. Watch their coverage. There's uh, Magic has a Twitch channel where they stream all of their. Um, GPs and the pro tours and stuff when they happen mm-hmm. and you know just watch and watch and watch and watch and learn and you know read these articles that people are putting out uh yeah it's <laughs> not hard well, we learn by watching and learn by doing yeah not to be condescending or anything but you know it's it's all there it's all there no not not at all that yeah that's great you got the resources to uh to go and it, it it's good for you it's good for the game it's good for Everyone. Everyone yep. benefits when more people know how to play. Yep. All right. I think that'll do it. So thank you, for everyone, for listening. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter at MTG in the Cards. You can email us if you have a question or a suggestion for a topic or something you'd like to hear about. Um, you can email us at mtginthecards at gmail.com. And... Uh, and find us on supermarket shelves near you. Actually, I'm not sure if we're going to have an episode next week because I'm going to college. <gasps> oh, that's right. This is kind of the last episode that you're going to... But you can always pick it up when you're there. Yeah, yeah. I might I might bring in some uh, some locals or something. I have that's some a cool friends. Idea. It'd be interesting to get somebody who's um, who's even more casual of a yeah. player and 
Uh, you're going international, too. Let's yeah. be from Canada. You'll be live from Canada. Yeah. Canada. Welcome to MT... I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> Welcome to MTG in the cards, eh? Oh! So I noticed there wasn't really any any swearing in this episode at all. It's actually really good. Oh, yeah, you're right. We can. Hmm. This wasn't really that explicit, huh? Fuck you.